KYW Original Podcasts. This is KYW In-Depth. My name is Matt Leon. There seems to be momentum building towards the idea of legalizing marijuana for recreational use in Pennsylvania. The governor and the lieutenant governor are both pushing for it. Now, there is a lot to break down, both with what this could mean economically for the state and also what it could mean with regards to criminal justice reform. Let's focus on that criminal justice angle now as we talk with Jules Epstein, professor of law at Temple's Beasley School of Law. He is also the director of advocacy programs at the law school. Give a listen. So recently, Governor Tom Wolf really pushed for the legalization of recreational marijuana uh, with an eye towards it helping to lessen a budget shortfall. Uh, have we reached a point in Pennsylvania where legal marijuana, it's it's not an if, but when? So I'm not a political science expert, right? Um, And everything I read is that the Republicans, at the moment at least, don't have an interest in pushing this through. But if you follow trend lines nationally, okay, we are now at a place where 33 states have some degree of legalized marijuana, at least for medicinal purposes. And 11 of those 33 have what is called recreational marijuana use allowed. Number two, there is certainly a move afoot nationally to address issues of disparity in the criminal justice system. And we can go into this whenever you want, but the racial disparities in Pennsylvania on marijuana arrests and prosecution are incredibly stark. And the effect on people's lives for decades afterwards um, is extreme. So we have the financial issue, we have the national trend, and we have racial justice within the criminal justice system, all as reasons to support this. But please, I don't pretend to predict if or when. So let's drill down on the criminal justice aspect, because I know that is where your passion lies you talked about some of those stark numbers. Give us context. What are we seeing? What have we seen in Pennsylvania with regards to the, the impact of marijuana arrests in the state? In the last decade, there have been roughly 20,000 arrests a year in Pennsylvania. In 2019, 21,789 people were charged for possession of less than an ounce. That's a lot of people whose lives are disrupted. That's people who may get handcuffed, may have to do jail time, may have to pay fines, and end up with a criminal record. That's part one of the marijuana criminal justice numbers. Part two is some people have done studies in different counties and around the state And forgive me if I'm reading for a moment, but I want to get these numbers right. A review done earlier this year of six counties in Pennsylvania showed that a quarter of all cases were against black people, even though in those six counties, black people were 6.5% of the population. Dauphin County, blacks comprised only 18 and a half percent of the population. But in 2018, half of all marijuana possession cases 
were against people of color. So what's going on there is a couple of things, right? Every study I've ever seen says it's not that black people smoke marijuana more than white people, right? So what we have is differential policing. We have police concentrations in certain communities. We have police tolerance of activities in other communities. So you're getting an uneven arrest pattern. And of course, as I described earlier, you're getting all those impacts and you're getting impacts on the population, the population of people of color who have other obstacles to getting good employment and where income may be lower so that the consequence of a fine is greater. So those numbers are pretty, pretty stark. And we're talking about something that I think it's fair to say, if used reasonably, and we're not going to talk about people driving, no one should drive drunk or high, right? But in terms of medical, it's not clear to me that this is any more dangerous than alcohol, which has been destroying lives for decades and decades. So we have this problem of impacting people of color on something that is culturally unacceptable, marijuana to some people, right? But medically is if we're going to allow people to smoke cigarettes and we're going to allow people to drink alcohol, where's marijuana in terms of that spectrum? My suggestion is it is less problematic than tobacco or alcohol, but I'll, I'll admit I'm not a doctor. Reasonable people might be able to disagree. You throw those numbers out and the number of people affected. Let's assume for a minute that it is made legal, as let's just say for argument's sake, first of the year. So you've got all these people already in the system. You've got people in jail for marijuana. How would it work? Would all these people be let out or is it kind of a wave system where they have to go through and expunge or eliminate? Uh, kind of give us some insight into what would happen. All right. I'm going to do that and broaden what you asked, if I may. Anyone who's convicted is convicted. When we, If we tomorrow change the law and said burglary is legal, which I certainly don't recommend, it doesn't mean that anyone previously convicted of burglary is let out of jail, okay? The legislature could establish a mechanism for people with marijuana convictions to get their records cleansed, okay? But you can't do an expungement on a conviction. It would be more along the lines of some sort of pardon process or some legislatively created process to help people cleanse their records. So that's number one. It would certainly mean three other consequences, though, going forward. One is 20,000 people, or even if we assume some of those were caught driving, 10,000, 15,000 people going forward wouldn't be in the criminal justice system over the next year. One study I read is it's $2,000 per person for processing a marijuana case. So you're saving some money there. And the third is maybe, and I have to say this is a maybe, there would be one less friction point between minority and poor communities and the police. So going forward, 
right? You'll have a number of advantages. I want to be clear. I don't want marijuana being sold outside a schoolyard. I don't want people smoking pot and driving. But we have laws about drinking and driving. But we shouldn't be punishing people for doing something that is really an anachronistic social prohibition, right? It's going back 80 years, 90 years. You mentioned the 11 other states that it's legal in in your advocacy and discussions. Have you talked to people in other states where it's been made legal and the impact it has had? Do we have any tangible ideas of, of the impact it's had from a criminal justice standpoint in some of these states? So I, I don't know that. I can only say I imagine it's reduced the case, right, the caseload. I, mean, I will tell you, there, there are complicating factors when this comes along, but some already exist. So with marijuana and hemp and things like that and metabolites, there are scientific tests, you know, as to what is in your bloodstream. And that has been problematic in some states. Um, in some states, especially with the edible marijuana, right, there have been issues of people going into emergency rooms because it's kind of hard to measure how much is too much on that. I'm not saying it's perfect. It's no different than drinking, I'm afraid, in those regards. Um, but I don't know uh, in terms of a measurable impact on criminal justice, just except that it unclogs the system and it leaves police able to concentrate on some other things. May I jump to a related thing, which is the big business side of this, okay? The marijuana business is indeed a big business. The numbers are astonishing. I think it's that it is currently a $9 billion business. And I'm just checking those numbers as we talk. And that the projection is that it will go up to $30 billion nationally by 2025, that those are the projections from the folks on the corporate business side of looking at marijuana. We won't see in Pennsylvania an immediate spike because it takes a couple of years to roll this kind of a thing out. And the numbers indeed were a $9.3 billion industry, according to a group called Medical Marijuana Incorporated. And it's their projection of the $30 billion by 2025. So at some point, if this happens, there will be tax revenue beneficial to the state. There may be business development in the state. There may be real estate purchasing beyond the real estate that's now used for medical marijuana. Um, so I'm not trying to pitch this, uh, you know, as an economist saying, oh, this is a boom thing for Pennsylvania. All I can share with you is that the folks in the medical marijuana business right now, when they write articles in their trade journals and things like that, these are some of the things that are getting discussed. Um, they're even discussing, and I have no idea how this would work, whether this could be some part of e-commerce. Um, I'm not sure we want to go there, but a lot of ripples moving out. 
But again, coming back to criminal justice, prohibition has never worked. Arrests have never worked. Prosecutions have never worked. In three days, I will have been a lawyer for 42 years. So I started in September 1978. And we had prosecution of drug crimes then. We had the war on drugs. We had harsher sentencing. And we have never made a dent in the amount or types of drug use that go on in this country using the criminal prosecution model. It's a complete failure. So maybe the other thing about this conversation is just as with so many other things in this country, this is a healthy time to take a look and say, if we've been doing it at least as long as Jules has been a lawyer, 42 years, and nothing has changed. And anyone who wants to say, well, how do you know nothing has changed? So periodically, I will go to the website of the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Administration, right? And they put out annual reports on drug interdiction and how much they spent and you know how many tons of this kind of drug. And then you read a little further when they talk about availability. And the availability is still high. We haven't made a dent. So I'm not talking about harder drugs, but especially with marijuana, it's, it's time for a change. And it seems to me this is one of the rare issues that just about everybody on the political spectrum can have something they can check a box about. If you can't get behind the criminal justice aspect for whatever reason, the economic reasons would seem to be enough. And that's one of, because I do feel like this is an issue in my lifetime that has really gained a lot of momentum in a short amount of time. And I would imagine it's because there's something to lobby just about everybody on the spectrum about now. Yes. And I actually think the criminal justice system and the sort of let people do their own thing is also somewhat across the spectrum because that may be a liberal position, but it's also a libertarian position, right? And I think, again, in criminal justice, that the cost of criminal justice and the cost of incarceration itself is an issue that has now um, got supporters or adherents across the spectrum. Smart criminal justice is a cry as much from the right as the left. What would, what problems could arise or have arisen? We've had marijuana legalized in states, but from a federal standpoint, how, how does that get balanced that it's still a crime federally, but I'm in a state where it's legal? How does that work? So technically, a federal agent could arrest you for the federal crime. That's going to depend on it from presidential administration and Department of Justice leadership to presidential administration and Department of Justice leadership. Let's distinguish between the feds busting large pot dealers, okay, and busting Sally or Jimmy or Ahmad or whoever, right? who is smoking a little pot or even has five, you know, if they're allowed to grow your own, 
five plants in their backyard or in their windowsill. The feds have an awful lot of other stuff on their plate. In theory, could the feds go after a state-approved marijuana farm? I guess they could. And that's going to be a cost-benefit analysis, but we haven't seen that. And there's this somewhat booming business. I mean, there's still problems that I, I'm not expert on this, that I understand, like with banks and whether banks can take money from the pot growers and, you know, things of that nature. I suspect a lot of that will be sorted out. So you're right that it is still a federal crime. I don't think that the federal authorities are going to be going on to teach a temple temple campus to see who's smoking pot. I don't think, I hope they're not going to be going into the neighborhood around temple, which has a significant minority population, to see who is smoking pot. That's my best answer then. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.